Welcome to What's Past This Podcast. My name is Roberts. And I'm Steve. I'm Damien. And I'm James. And uh, welcome to this special Halloween edition of the podcast, where we're going to be talking about some theatre superstitions, some ghost stories, and horror films and things like that. And if that's your thing, and you're watching on YouTube, why not like, comment, and spookscribe? And if you're listening to us on any other platform, <laughs> please hit that follow button. Spookscribe. <laughs> really? <laughs> that's interesting. Oh, dear. You didn't tell us about that one. If you've been planning that one. <laughs> I literally just clicked in my head. So you just think of that at the top of your head. Yeah. <laughs> and that unfortunately is going to be the tone of the show this uh, this week <laughs> right so uh shall we talk about some superstitions first so uh actors and theatres are known for having lots of superstitions some of them are quite well known others a little less so obviously the the really famous one is not saying the name of the play Macbeth in a theatre. So you're supposed to refer to it as the Scottish play. And there's sort of various theories as to where that came from. The interesting one, I don't know if you've, I think you've heard this one, Damien, I think we've talked about it before. Uh, I think this was talked about by Ian McKellen. Where would he have talked about this and what did he say? I think it was in an, in an interview that he did. I've seen it on YouTube. Um so the theory is that uh, back in the days of kind of repertory theatre, when people like McKellen and Patrick Stewart and all these kind of actors of that generation were performing just all the time and making very, very little money, if the theatre was running a bit low on money, a show that they could put on that was just guaranteed to make money would be Macbeth. So supposedly, if you were in an actor in repertory theatre... And you heard someone saying Macbeth in the theatre, that meant that the theatre was running low on money and you might not get paid at the end of the week. So that's supposedly where the superstition came from about saying Macbeth in a theatre. Although that could just be complete nonsense. I've heard a superstition where um, if anyone says Macbeth around the whole theatre, then bad luck tends to happen. But I looked into that very theory once, like, ages ago. I can't state my sources because it's a long time ago and I can't be bothered looking it up, to be honest. <laughs> but the theory was that you can't say it in the green room. And that's where everyone thought, that's where everyone was wrong and thought it was throughout the whole theatre. Whilst they said it was just the green room you can't say it in or else you'll have bad yeah. luck. I can't remember for the life of me why it's the green room, but... Presumably this rule doesn't apply if you're do actually doing a production of Macbeth, because if you're doing a production of Macbeth, obviously you have to say the word Macbeth quite a few times in the production. So I don't know how the how the superstition supposedly it just ignores that, presumably. In regards to the script, some actors even uh, avoid quoting lines from Macbeth, the Scottish play, until they're actually doing the performance itself, especially some of the lines of the witches. Hmm, interesting. It's funny that everyone's got their own theories on superstition. Yeah. I've got my own theory just by looking more into it. But I don't believe in superstition, but I've got theories about it. Yeah, I think sometimes it's like if you're actually in a production, kind of, you, you know, you can be quite nervous. And I think sometimes, even if you're not superstitious, it can bring out some of those kind of uh, OCD traits of like 
uh, rituals that you go through or yes. don't go through uh, before a show to kind of get yourself in the right frame of mind. So I guess it's, although it's not necessarily superstition, sometimes actors have certain rituals that they go through before yeah. going on stage. Like some people go off into a corner and sit by themselves quietly. Going back to the, the, the Scottish play and the case and all that, are any of you aware how uh, you go about undoing the curse, supposedly? No. I can't remember. According to the Royal Shakespeare Company's website, you uh, leave the theatre, spin around three times, and you spit, curse, and knock on the theatre door and ask to be readmitted. Brilliant. <laughs> Sounds a bit too much just to solve like a superstition. Exactly, it, it's a joke. The, that's according to the Royal Shakespeare Company's website, that. So I've looked up some more here, and some yeah. of which actually I've heard of. One of them is, a bad dress rehearsal means the show will be a hit, or... Yeah, I've heard that one. The that. opposite of that is, a good dress rehearsal means you're going to have a bad show. Which makes sense, I think, because, you know, it's... If you have a bad dress rehearsal, I think it makes you focus a lot more uh, when it comes to doing the first performances. So that that kind of makes sense. Another thing I saw is about whistling in the theatre as well. Yes, that one's interesting. It, it's it's to do with um, helpers backstage to do the... Uh, staging and raising and lifting the staging. The stage director, stage manager, even whistles up to signals when to put it down, and change the scenery or other. But um, if the actors absentmindedly start whistling uh, at the wrong times and they put it down, then it, 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 that's why you're told not to whistle in theatres. That's where that's from. I can't remember where I heard. I literally heard this a couple of days ago somewhere. I can't remember why. Uh, I think it was. Something to do with it being that sailors, when they weren't at sea, would often go into the theatres to do, because they were used to uh, yeah. rigging. Yeah. And so they yeah. go and they do uh, flies, so where they'd be pulling the ropes and lifting scenery up and things. So if you whistled, um, which they did on ships, that whistles would be used as signals. And yeah, so, that's um, it, yeah. So yeah, you might, you're liable to have something drop on your head, yeah. Yeah. Which so so it's interesting that the kind of the origins of these are quite um, interesting. Never bring a f- peacock feather on stage. <laughs> I just read that one, which is interesting. There's an actress that we've worked with in the past that has a tattoo of a, a peacock feather. Pretty much every time we go on stage, we are bringing a peacock with us, <laughs> James. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mirrors on the stage are bad luck. It's the fear of the mirror breaking, resulting in several years of bad luck. No, it's pretty much in a nutshell, causing havoc with um, lighting design. Another big one is uh, saying break a leg instead of good luck, which is, I think, one that pretty much everyone does. Uh, it's because the, the the kind of frame that holds the curtains, uh, the corner of that frame is called a leg. So if you were breaking a leg, it would be because the curtains being opened and closed so many times because you've given such a good performance mm that you're just doing lots and lots of uh, encores. Hmm. So that's supposedly where it comes from. Which again interesting. is quite interesting. Yeah. In relation to uh, break a leg, there are other professions who have similar things. For example, professional dancers, they say merde, which is the French word for <laughs> and, and And in Spanish, uh, mucha mierda, which means lots of which it which is because... Um, in the times where carriages would bring the audiences to the theatres, it, it, it relates to um, the bigger the audience, the more carriages, so the more poop 
from the horses. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> there's, there's another one. According to theoretical superstition, sleeping with your script and your pillow helps you learn your lines. Oh, I can remember that one, huh? I used to do that... <laughs> I used to do that all the time. Like, I generally used to do that all the time. After Anne, our old director, I think she told me about it once. Oh, okay. And I, I did try it, and it didn't work. Nothing sinks into this noggin. <laughs> well, I just say um, that it suggests that you just learn your lines the old-fashioned way. I think uh, sleeping with the producer is probably uh, a more practical <laughs> uh, way of getting ahead in the theatre. Yeah. I'm looking into superstitions that are quite old. Bringing a pet, dog or cat, on a theatrical or film set is considered to bring bad luck to any production. A pet on set is bad luck. I mean, again, for obvious practical reasons. Well, yes, because they're not, they won't be trained fully, will they? Unless they're trained fully. No, I mean, I don't think any cat has ever graduated from RADA. <laughs> Although I'm saying that, David, uh, we're bringing a pet. We we know of uh, one person who's part of a uh, theatre company who does bring his dog along. Which is that? Ben Crystal's ben dog. Ben Crystal dog. Oh, uh, okay. He'd be uh, a good one to talk talk to really about um, theatre superstition and all that. Cause he'd probably have a lot of knowledge about that, and he'd probably be able to tell us more about the origins of the curses and things to do with the Scottish play. Maybe in a future episode. So there's some actors, performers, their superstitions is to wear lucky items of clothing. I used to have uh, some lucky socks that I'd wear on stage. Oh, um, right. It was the a pair of socks given to me by my grandma. It was the last Christmas present she gave me before she died, and they were my lucky socks. Uh, but they've got holes in them now, so I don't wear them. <laughs> You'll have to learn to darn then, won't you, so you can darn your holes in your socks. Darning my socks in the night when there's nobody there. Damien, do you have any rituals or superstitions or going on stage or anything? I do not. Okay. Uh, we always sing springtime before we go on stage. Oh, yeah, we do that, yeah. Uh, a lot of the superstitions as well involve theatre ghosts and uh, and things like that. And the theatre that we perform at regularly, the Ecology Centre in Hollyhead in North Wales, uh, supposedly has a ghost referred to as the Ecology Ghost which I don't believe any of us have actually seen, but we know people that have seen said ghost. Yes. So uh, I wondered if uh, if you wanted to talk about that. I didn't even know there were ghosts. Oh, didn't you? <laughs> no. Apparently. So this, is, this is the first I've heard of it. <laughs> what I've heard about the Gouda ghost is that one day Christina and Bethan were trying to do a few jobs around the Gouda Centre. I think they heard a noise. They didn't know what the noise was. No one was around. So they went to check the security cameras. Mm. And right where they were, after they left, there was a white figure going across the camera. And they, I think they said it, was, it looked like a human figure. One of them walked down there to see if anyone was there. No one was there. But you thought you uh, heard the ghost the other day, didn't you, Damien? But it was... Uh, what did you tell that story? I was painting in the Echauda Centre, just painting the plinth to get the centre open up for business. And as I was finishing, I could hear some little girls laughing. And it sounded like <laughs> it was coming from the... Is it the foyer in the front seat of it? And I was thinking, that can't be that can't be right, because it's locked. No one can be there. So I was thinking, hang on, if no one can be there, could it be the Echauda ghost? So um, I had that going through my mind. And I went outside and I read, oh, 
So it's just girls actually laughing outside here. <laughs> and uh, they were literally laughing outside. <laughs> in the gallery in the Khaldra, there's a, there's a white wall that they put in place. But yeah. behind that white wall is an old door. Yeah. And that old door leads out to the amphitheatre. Because they were laughing in the amphitheatre, the noise reverberated between the walls. So it sounded like it was coming from a different room. Um, also, uh, Bethan's daughter, Charlotte, told me of an experience that she had in the same area. I can't remember exactly what it was when she was walking through or just heard something and it, it scared her a little. <laughs> Isn't go on their own there now. And I, I remember once joining uh, one of the other members of the Shelter Rep. We joined a, a group of people that were there doing a uh, ghost hunt in the Shelter Centre. I'm going back to about 2014, I think, give or take. And um, a group of people, and they were walking around the centre, torches and recorders and things that they had. We were on the stage, sat in a circle, uh, some of us, and did a little seance. And there was uh, one moment where questions were asked, and if there's somebody there, please touch one of us in the circle on a or arm or shoulder or something. And admittedly, I, I did feel something touch my arm. I don't know what. Mm, spooky. And the Akhaldra Center used to be uh, a church for the convent that no longer yes. exists, but the convent was this large building that was next door, what's now a, the car park and the council estate. And yeah. um, so I wonder if the Akhaldra ghost is uh, the ghost of a nun, which <laughs> would be quite quite creepy. Talking but, of the ghost of a nun, come back to me again. Um, I used to work in uh, the Priory. Uh, St. David's Priory. I think there were some nuns that used to be there and they used to take in homeless children, look after homeless children, is my understanding. Because uh, there was a place in the attic room where little spaces where beds would go, you know, little sections. And um, we had on camera, there was something that happened one evening, some disturbance, and I was looking through the camera, because I was one of the only ones who knew how to work it, the CCTV, uh, there was a couple of the staff in the room with me, and we we got to the camera that was above the rear door, looking down and towards the the garages at the back of the priory at the time, and we saw by or near the door, we saw what looked like or what we can only describe as like an orb by the back door, and then what looked like three or four children is what we decided them what it might have been, doing what looks like ring a ring of roses and then this orb doing something by the door as if to say, as if it like is one of the nuns was saying something, saying, it, it, time to go now, time to come in, and just sunk down into the ground and disappeared. That sounds creepy. Actually, talking of uh, floating orbs, yeah, I seem to remember Angharad actually telling me about seeing uh, orbs in the Akeldra Centre up, oh, yeah. up by the kind of the, the tech Gantry, oh right, um, or whatever you want to call it. Oh, um, but I can't, I can't remember what she said exactly, so we'd have to ask her about that. Yeah, so, have to talk about that. Yeah, lots of spooky goings on mm. in Hollyhead. So we've had these little experiences. So would would you guys say that you believe in ghosts? No, no. <laughs> um, I don't believe Not this. Necessarily, no. I, I believe there's something there, um, but I also would believe with. Seeing is believing, you know. Um, I mean, I've had a few, go back to when I used to work in the Priory, and I had a, a couple of, well, quite a lot of occasions in the Priory where 
when I was locking up where I, I always felt I'd been watched by someone, but there was nobody there. And I always felt myself turn and look at the same spot every time in the hall upstairs and down towards the back door in the hall downstairs. I always felt like I was being watched by someone or something. I do believe ghosts exist, but I also believe that no technology man can ever make can actually talk or even find any ghosts. Okay. Like, I think all of that is just a lot of junk, really. Uh, a lot of the tools they use use a bit of radio feedback yeah. from anything. So it could have been picked up random words from a radio. Yeah. I, I've been on a couple of ghost hunt things with uh, my late friend Brian and his sister Helen. And we were up at uh, the Breakwater in Hollyhead. She had a, um, I forget what you call it, like a ghost box thing um, where it, it uses radio signals. But she'd had it in reverse, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was on and she was there asking questions with me and Brian stood by. And I heard my name mentioned once on it. But again, that could be radio picking something up like Damon was saying. I'm not sure. But we moved to a, a different spot and we distinctly heard low, deep growl sort of noise. Uh, needless to say, we, we finished up pretty quickly and headed home. <laughs> you see, I believe that you hear what you want to hear. Well, we, Even if you don't want to hear it, you subconsciously want to know it exists. I wasn't wanting to hear a low, deep growl, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> Have any of you been in the Akeldra Centre on your own at night time? Oh, yes. Um, Plenty of times. Bit creepy, isn't it? Yeah, I've uh, a couple of times in between them finished rehearsals with one group to wait for the other group, just being there and to open the door when they come in. Done that a couple of times. But yeah, like you say, it's a little creepy. <laughs> I must admit that the one time I did that, I think it was at the start of this year, I uh, oh, right. I, I must admit I did uh, sort of switch quite a lot of lights on <laughs> just because I, I didn't like kind of yeah, just yeah. being there in the dark on my yeah. own. <laughs> I found it a bit creepy. Yeah. I think I'd have probably done something similar. <laughs> I think because it's just, it's a huge place as well. So you sort of hear strange noises and whatnot. An really, old so. place. When I arrived at the Hero Centre, I've got let in and then whoever let me in left. I was waiting for Anne uh, at the time uh, for us to arrive for Props Theatre School. And <clears throat> I was just there on my own for ages. There's only one light on, which is the work light. And I, all I could hear around the building anyway was creaking. Every time I was probably like hmm, 16, 17. And, I, and at that age, I still get freaked out by anything. So uh, any creak that was happening, I was like, ooh, what was that? After a while, I just kind of zoned it out by just blasting music, like full blast through my Bluetooth speakers. <laughs> oh, good times. <laughs> okay, does anyone know the answer to this question? Why does it seem that ghosts are more active at night? I don't know. I don't know. I've heard that one, but I can't remember what the answer is. I feel like this is a uh, this is a run up to a joke. No, no, no. I'm I'm terrible at jokes. <laughs> yeah, give us some clues, then. Come on, a little fun. Okay, it's to do with the electronic uh, devices. Some say 
that's when fewer electronic devices are used, we're more likely to detect ghostly spirits in our homes. Oh. Although that doesn't necessarily explain uh, ghosts in times before we had electronic devices. No. No. I think probably it's uh, more to do with the fact that we just humans are just hardwired to be afraid of the dark. So I think when it's nighttime, we're more aware of you know potential dangers. Yeah, I see you get that. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that a lot of it could be sort of in our heads, like when we are alone in a huge place and it's quite cold and quite dark, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. Do you think a lot of it is just in our heads? We're just sort of making it up. Uh, you, that would be my inclination, yeah. But I, I don't know. I think when you're on your own, you're probably more likely to pick up on noises that you wouldn't normally hear when there's a lot of other people around. Even if it's just the, the building yeah, relaxing, if you like, you know, just creaking and relaxing and you know, just general building noises. Yeah. Makes you think it's something else. You, when you're yeah. on your own and it's dark, like you're saying, a bit spooky, it, you, your imagination goes into maybe a little bit of overdrive, a bit overactive. What you've just described there, Stephen, is exactly what Bepan told me, what all the creaks and cracks sounds are in the Heldra. Oh, right. Is all the lights just cooling down? Oh, yes. All, all, just all that the lights cooling down. Yeah, yeah. It just makes creaks. Noise. That makes sense, yeah, because you know, the glass of the lights it expands and it yeah. heats. So, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, makes sense. So, uh, seeing as it's Halloween today, or it will be when this is released, it isn't. We're recording this in advance, obviously, but... Um, should we talk about some of our favourite uh, Halloween media, films, TV, books, plays, whatever? Okay. Good idea. Uh, we shall. I was going to say, I was going to say, you want to go first, Rob, or James? One, one good film that I watched a while ago, I mean, it came out in 2008, uh, whether you guys have watched it as well. Um, there is two films, like there's... Uh, uh, part one, part two, like, but the first film was definitely the better one. Um, the Strangers, have you guys heard of that? I've heard, heard of, of it. it, I haven't seen it. I've heard of it, I I'm... can't remember if I have seen it. Um, I, I don't really recommend the first one. I mean, the second one is alright, but it's with a lot of things for me, it's just always like the first film or the original stuff is always the better stuff, uh, in, in yeah. my opinion. Apart from when it comes to Shrek. <laughs> when it comes to Shrek, yeah. Well, Shrek is an exception. Um, but the the ending to this film, I thought it was really creepy because, um, I, spoiler warning uh, if anyone who hasn't watched it, at the end where they get, uh, where the strangers, the three strangers, uh, capture the victims, um, they have them tied up on the chair. And the victims are like, oh, why are you doing this to us? And then the strangers are like, because you are home. Like, it really says it in a really creepy voice. And just like that, just simple line, just, it creeps me out a little bit. Like, it's just, it's just because they, they were home. But it's, it's, it's a really, it's a really good film, I think. Um, if, like, James, you said you haven't watched it, um, I do, I do recommend that you watch it. A show that I'd recommend is a TV program uh, called Ghosts, and oh, it's yes. a sitcom on the BBC made by the same people that made Horrible Histories, and I'd recommend that. It's about a, a couple, a young married couple that inherit a house, like a, a large sort of manor house, 
and the woman has an accident and suddenly she can see that the the house is haunted by these ghosts played by the cast of horrible histories it's i mean it's not particularly scary it has a couple of little moments but it's it's a nice sitcom and uh, the second series has just come out and uh, yeah so i'd recommend that that's quite a fun show and well written watch the entire first series in one evening <laughs> i know there is a, a gothic horror story that you have actually seen james in in the theaters probably seen a live broadcast frankenstein oh uh, yeah 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 there was um they broadcast that on youtube during yeah. lockdown with uh cumberbatch and johnny lee miller yeah you seen have you seen both versions where cumberbatch playing yes the monster and playing frankenstein do you have uh, any particular way as a favorite or do you just enjoy both i think i preferred cumberbatch as the I think I preferred him as the monster, okay. but that might just be the bias of the fact that I watched that version first. But um, all right, yeah, I see what you mean. But I, yeah. I watched them both with my mum, and she preferred it the other way around. All right, but um, but yeah, it's a good. Uh, it was a good production. Yeah, it was really yeah. good. <laughs> but uh, since you're not one for uh, spooky films, James, I've got the uh, an idea of a perfect horror film. Uh, well, perfect Halloween film for you to watch, James. Hocus Pocus. I was literally going to say that's <laughs> yeah. going to be that's one of my favourite Halloween films. There we go. And plus, the building, one of the buildings, uh, the high school that's within the film of Hocus Pocus, is the same building on the um, title screen of Friends. Is it? Yeah. Do you know where the fountain is on yeah, Friends? Yeah. The building behind the fountain is used in Hocus Pocus. Oh right. And the fountain's oh. there too. <laughs> cool. I didn't know yeah. that. There we go. There we go, people. Fun fact. Shall we do the quiz now, then? Yes. Let's do the quiz. Now, here we go. James and his spooky, spooktacular Halloween quiz. I probably just hyped it up too much, but there we go. <laughs> so, five questions. They're all multiple choice. So, uh, I'll read the questions and the, the choices, and then uh, you write down your answers, and then I'll go over the answers at the end. Question one. In Macbeth... What sign convinces Macbeth that he must go through with killing the king? Is it A, one of the witches appears in his bedroom, B, he has a nightmare about the murder, C, he sees an imaginary dagger, or D, the ghost of his father visits him? Question two. In Hamlet, what is the name of the ghost? Is it A, Horatio, B, Rosencrantz, C, Banquo, or D, Hamlet? Okay, question three. In Julius Caesar, where does Caesar's ghost tell Brutus he would see him again? Is it A, Heaven, B, Philippi, C, Coriolis, or D, Rome? Question four. In 2012, Daniel Radcliffe starred in a film adaptation of which supernatural horror novel and stage play? Was it A, The Woman in Red, B, The Woman in Black, C, The Woman in Bed, or D, <laughs> The Blair Witch Project? And question five. A light left on in an empty theatre for superstitious reasons is called a what? Is it A, a night's light, B, a work light, C, a Scottish light, or D, a ghost light? 
We've just had the question, so yeah. here is the answers. If you guys played along, then well, let's see what questions you got correct. That makes sense. I don't know. <laughs> okay, question one. In Macbeth, what sign convinces Macbeth he must go through with killing the king? The answer was C. He sees an imaginary dagger. Okay, question two. In Hamlet, what is the name of the ghost? The answer was, in fact, D, Hamlet. Okay, question three. In Julius Caesar, where does Caesar's ghost tell Brutus he would see him again? The answer was B, Philippi, which is uh, the place where there's the, the battle towards the end of the play, where uh, Brutus sees Caesar's ghost and eventually dies, if I remember rightly. Uh, question four. In 2012, Daniel Radcliffe starred in a film adaptation of which supernatural horror novel and stage play? The answer was B, The Woman in Black, not The Woman in Bed. And finally, question five. A light left on in an empty theatre for superstitious reasons is called a what? The answer was, of course, D, a ghost light. Groovy, baby. Five out of five. I got three. I'm Rob. Oh, I got three as well. <laughs> oh, there we go. Cool, so Damien is this week's winner. And that means that you're going to be writing the uh, questions for next week, Damien. And uh, this Christmas, as you're probably aware, most of the theatres are sadly still closed. So we've been forced to uh, postpone our annual Christmas pantomime, uh, which this year was Dick Whittington, uh, for uh, a year at least unfortunately, but uh, that doesn't mean we're not going to be doing anything. We're going to be doing a few sort of multimedia projects. We're going to be doing some audio books, um, audio dramas, some little short films and stuff like that, hopefully. And um, here's a little preview for something I've been working on this week. This is an excerpt from one of the Charles Dickens Christmas short stories, and we're going to be releasing a set of those at Christmas. And this is actually a ghost story, and it's called The Signal Man. Hope you enjoy. sir he began bending forward as soon as we were seated and speaking in a tone but a little above a whisper that you shall not have to ask me twice what troubles me i took you for someone else yesterday evening that troubles me who is it i don't know like me i don't know i never saw the face the left arm is across the face and the right arm is waved violently waved this way I followed his action with my eyes, and it was the action of an arm gesticulating with the utmost passion and vehemence, for God's sake, clear the way. One moonlit night, said the man. I was sitting here, and I heard a voice cry, Hello, below there. I started up, looking from that door, and saw this someone else standing by the red light near the tunnel, waving as I just now showed you. The voice seemed hoarse with shouting, and it cried, Look out! Look out! And then again, Hello, below there, look out! I caught up my lamp, turned it on red, and ran towards the figure, calling, What's wrong? 
What's happened? Where? It stood just outside the blackness of the tunnel. I advanced so close upon it that I wondered at its keeping the sleeve across its eyes. I ran right up to it and had my hand stretched out to pull the sleeve away when it was gone. Into the tunnel, said I. No. I ran on into the tunnel five hundred yards. I stopped and held my lamp above my head and saw the figures of the measured distance and saw the wet stains stealing down the walls and trickling through the arch. I ran out again faster than I had run in, for I had a mortal abhorrence of the place upon me, and looked all round the red light with my own red light, and I went up the iron ladder to the gallery atop of it, and I came down again and ran back here. I telegraphed both ways. An alarm has been given. Is anything wrong? The answer came back both ways. All well. Resisting the slow touch of a frozen finger tracing out my spine, I showed him how that this figure must be a deception of his sense of sight, and how that figures originating in disease of the delicate nerves that minister to the functions of the eye were known to have often infected patients, some of whom had been conscious of the nature of their affliction, and had even proved it by experiments upon themselves. As to an imaginary cry, said I, do but listen for a moment to the wind in this unnatural valley while we speak so low, and to the wild harp it makes of the telegraph wires. That was all very well, he returned, after we had sat listening for a while, and he ought to know something of the wind and the wires, he who so often passed long winter nights there, alone and watching. But he would beg to remark that he had not finished. I asked his pardon, and he slowly added these words, touching my arm. Within six hours after the appearance, the memorable accident on this line happened, and within ten hours the dead and wounded were brought along through the tunnel over the spot where the figure had stood. So uh, as we're coming to the end of this episode, I, I just... Something I have to do. Uh, I've been told that um, our biggest fan, and I need to give a shout out to our biggest fan, which is Damien's mum, Marie. So uh, if you're listening to this, which I'm sure you are, hi, how are you doing? I hope you're well. And um, thanks for being our biggest fan. She held me at gunpoint to make you say this. She's actually stood behind me. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Okay, so unfortunately, uh, once again, we are coming up to the end of this episode. Um, Hope you guys have enjoyed this Halloween special. And uh, you know what to do uh, if you have. Um, I say it at the end of each and every single episode, uh, which is uh, like, subscribe, and comment down below telling us what you think. And uh, if you are watching on any other platform, then remember to hit that follow button. This podcast is now available on most streaming platforms, including Spotify, iTunes, and Google Music. Also, check out the links in the description for our other channels and websites. And on that note, happy Halloween, one and all, and it's bye from me. It's a spooky goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from me. And to play us out, uh, we've already played some music from this production, which was Death Trap. Uh, if you haven't watched our episode about it, I think it was episode three. Uh, so go and watch that 
But uh, here's a piece of music that we didn't play in that episode, and this is probably the most sinister bit of music. And this is from the murder scene in Act 1, and it's uh, quite a creepy sequence, and so it seems appropriate. So uh, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye.